And this continued for two years. So that all who, all read it with me, all who dwelt in Asia heard the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Wow. All over Asia Minor. Because of what happened there, starting with 12 guys being filled with the Holy Spirit. He taught for some of the Jews, some of the Jews uh, so they rented out a school and taught there for two more years. And as a result of that two years and six months, no, it's two years and three months, at the shipping port of Ephesus, every ship that went out carried a message with it about Jesus Christ. Can somebody just say praise? Wow. Wow. So that all of Asia, all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles. Doesn't mean they received it, but they heard it. Amen? How many of you told somebody and they didn't receive it, but you still told them? Amen. Praise God. That's, that's what it's telling us here. It's not about their response. It's about your obedience. Well, I better get on. I, I love the Ephesian letter. Now, Ephesus was a, an amazing uh, city. It was a city-state of Rome. And there are several reasons for its influence. Uh, first of all, the economics of it. It was a major shipping port. A major port where people came in, had a large harbor area, and ships from all over the Mediterranean would come in and uh, dock there in the upper regions, the Adriatic. They would dock there, and uh, all the goods and everything from all over the world were coming into Ephesus. Its size, it was a large city. It was not the capital, but it was uh, one of the largest cities. Uh, Pergamum was the capital of that province during Roman times. But Ephesus was the largest city in the whole region, having a population of over 300,000 people. Whew. So it was a large, influential city, a shipping port, economics, the size of it. It had a, a theater there, the 25,000 people. And as you know, that's the way the Massive 
idols to Diana slash Artemis. And uh, it was just one of those things that plays into the story of Ephesus. Because at Ephesus, when the gospel was preached there, people began to get saved. Everybody in Asia heard about Jesus, but a lot of people in Ephesus were saved during that two-year, three-month period of time that Paul was ministering there. And so there were miraculous salvations, scores of people being saved. Uh, there was miracles occurred. Uh, look at verse 11 in Acts 19, verse 11. Would somebody read verse 11 and 12 for us? Acts 19. That's where we are. Okay, she's got it. Yeah. Yeah. And the one where it says, I did sit in handkerchiefs for Abraham. Is that where they got prayer from? Yeah, that's where we're at. Verse, you're going to read it? You're going to read it? Yeah. You got it. Read it. And I'm talking about it. All right. His body were brought. Into unto the sick handkerchiefs of aprons or aprons, and the disease departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Okay. So, so here we find that there was such an anointing upon Paul as he ministered that people were bringing in handkerchiefs or aprons, handkerchiefs or aprons, and he would pray over them. They would take them back to people, and people would be healed. Yes. And out of this, we do uh, we we have many that uh, different times where people will bring in a cloth and have it anointed and prayed for mm -hmm. to take it back in faith. The cloth does not heal you, but it's a sign, a point of faith. Mm -hmm. And here is just saying that this, there was such an anointing that you didn't even have to be in the house for the Lord to touch you. That somebody could take and say, I'm, I'm believing for my, my brother, my sister, my husband, my wife. They're sick. They can't make it out. And they would anoint handkerchiefs or aprons and take them to the, the person and they would be healed. I may believe in that. I believe in that. I don't believe in magic. But I do believe that there can be a time of anointing that the Lord can can touch somebody through that. Yeah. Uh, and you say, well, handkerchiefs or aprons, that sounds kind of strange. No, not really. Why not? How many of you take your aprons to church? I mean, I, not many. <laughs> not many do that. I, I, I haven't seen one in a while around here. Did it, how many of you, let's do a survey. How many of you this morning said, I'm going to Bible study, I better get my apron. Okay, I see no hands. The apron, the word there is covering. And you remember, what was uh, Paul's sideline? The way he made ends meet. Ten he was a tent maker, but he was a covering maker. Same word, covering. And he was schooled by uh, Gamaliel, and he was very involved in covering making. Uh, you may not have heard this before. How many of you have heard this story before? This is what I believe and what many believe that study this. 
I mean, uh, Paul's not an apron maker. You know, uh, a tent, a covering, a mishkan maker in Hebrew. A every time there was a Torah scroll, there was to be a cloth covering of it. And it would be embroidered with, I, I should have brought mine down here, but they would have an embroidery cover over it that was called a tent or apron, a covering, yes. a covering, a protective covering. Isn't that what an apron is? Yes. It's, it's so you don't get all messed up. I should wear one at all times when I'm cooking. I don't. But a covering. So it's believed by many uh, New Testament scholars, uh, you know, two men, uh, pup tits. Turn there, they 
50,000 pieces of silver worth of books and uh, they burned them well that doesn't put the devil back uh, look there look a little bit further on and you find out that there's a, a resistance comes look at verse 24 and following for a certain man named Demetrius a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana brought no small profit to the craftsmen. As he called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. It was the first meeting of Idle Workers 201 Union. Moreover, you see in here not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed whom all Asia and the world worship. And when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. When you come against the gods of the city, God can win, but people are there's going to be resistance. We start going against sinful practices in Columbus. There's going to be a resistance. There's going to be a resistance when we try to stop immorality. When we try to preach against uh, alcoholism and drug abuse and everything else. We're going to meet resistance. And uh, it doesn't mean we stop. It doesn't mean we shut up. So... This is all going on in this great city of Ephesus. The church is strong, but they're under persecution now. And uh, they're being pulled in and taken to trial and beat up on the streets just for being a follower of Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's not the kind of religion I signed up for. Uh, I want peace safety and security. I'm sorry, I can't offer that to you. I can offer you security in Christ Jesus. But persecution may come. Don't pull your ripcord yet. Don't jump out of the plane. But make sure that you have your, your parachute on. Your safety in Jesus Christ. Don't, uh, don't try and go out and fight it in the name of the Jesus the Paul preaches kind of attitude. The devil is not impressed, but he runs from the name of Jesus. So in this climate of religious confusion, false idols, the gods of the city, and resistance and everything else, we want to get to our prayer principles in Ephesus. Even a great church needs prayer. Yes. First prayer principle that we find here 
in the letter to the Ephesians is that of praying for divine direction for others. I know I'm guilty of it. Lord, I need your help. Guide me here. Tell me what to do there. And that's good. But we need to be interceding for others to get divine direction. How many of you know people you've talked to and they won't listen to a word you say? Even Christians that won't, won't even respond to what you say. So let's take it to a higher court. Amen? If they don't realize they need divine direction, uh, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. Paul is praying for him. He's not praying for himself, notice. He's not praying for himself. This is where we're, we're, we've talked before about praying for guidance and direction. But here we're praying for divine direction for other believers. For other believers. Look how Paul prays. Verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints... Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul has the Ephesian believers <coughs> on his prayer list. And we're looking right now at what he prays for them. He's not praying for himself here. There's time and a place for you to pray for you. Amen? Amen. Yeah. How many of you pray every day for the Lord to give you help and the Lord to guide you and direct you and everything? Pray, keep doing that. But we need to expand our prayer ministry beyond yeah. us. Yes. If our prayer ministry is only about getting us through the minefield of life, and we don't care about the people who are following, you know, let them step on the landmine. That's not the right attitude. It's not just about you making it through. And this is a foreign concept in today's society and even in the church. It's all about me. We're going to be talking about that tonight in the Philippian study. It's all about me. The enemies of the cross in Philippians 3, it's all about them. Their glory. They're, they're acquiring things. Nothing about the cross. And as New Testament believers, we need to be concerned about our brothers and sisters. And we need to be interceding for them. And Paul shows us a pattern of prayer for divine direction for other believers. I'm making mention of you in our prayers. And then verse 17 says, this is what I'm praying. I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Amen. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. 
And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Boy, there's a lot in there. Of what we're to pray, not for ourselves necessarily, but for others. I was in a Bible study one time years ago. We had a Monday night uh, charismatic prayer meeting uh, in Cincinnati that uh, me and some of my other uh, pastors went to. And the person that was teaching was teaching this. This is for you to pray for yourself. And this is for you to pray this for yourself. Well, that's okay. But that's not what this says. Paul's not praying for himself. He's praying for other believers. We have a responsibility to other believers. Yes, I do. It can't just be a, well, I made it. I, can't, I don't care about them, but I made it. That's not the attitude. We need, we need to be concerned about one another. Why is it important for us as believers to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Why is it important? It's part of our body. It, it's part of our body. Would you say, well, I'm not using that little finger. I'm just not... It, it's swelling up on me, but I'm not going to take any care of it. It's turned a little darkish. It's throbbing. It just fell off. Uh, <laughs> uh, you'd be stupid. You say, well, why didn't you take care of your own body? Why else is it important for us as believers to be prayerful for our brothers and sisters in Christ? For unity in the church. For unity in the church. Unity in the church. If there's a weak link, we're part of the chain. If somebody else is overtaken in a fault, we're to seek to restore them so that the body of Christ is intact and unified in our work. Satan's going to go after the weakest lamb in the flock. And if we forsake it, he's got it. We need to... Any other reasons why we need to be Interceding for our brothers and sisters in the faith. He tells us to carry each other's burdens. To bear one another's burdens. And thus, the scripture says, fulfill the, the suggestion, the, the good idea, no, the law of Christ. Why else is it important for us to pray for our brothers and sisters? Because we need each other very much. We need each other. We're not the Lone Ranger. Now, I love the Lone Ranger. I love watching it. I, I, to this day, I will turn on a good Lone Ranger show. But uh, Clayton Moore was the only really good Lone Ranger. Let's, and, uh, I won't even go into it. But, but the, my first question, well, you know, can you help us out with this? that happened and I'm trying to be compassionate and I says well where do you where do you go to church well I don't go to church if you have no church home if you have no relationship with other brothers and sisters you're a lone ranger 
there's no nobody's praying for you, nobody's supporting you. And so it's important for us to be a part of that unit. But that's not Bible.
down there in Myrtle Beach someplace. But there's a whole rest of the ocean on the whole other side. Uh, we've just dipped our toes in the edge of the knowledge of who God is. Oh my goodness. First through 25. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross to Christ should be made non-effective. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the wisdom of the world? We'll stop there. The, the, the whole thing here is that there's a worldly wisdom and a heavenly wisdom from heaven. And the world's wisdom tells you things that make sense to the world. But heavenly wisdom, it doesn't make any sense to the world. Well, why in the world would you do that? It's a godly wisdom. And we need to have a knowledge of God, not a, a worldly knowledge of Him. Because out of that, people bring these weird questions up. And they don't care about the answer. They just want to try and trip somebody up about God. I want heavenly wisdom. I am not against education, studying to show yourself approved in, in uh, classwork and those kind of things. I've tried to do my best to stay ahead of the curve on learning. I want to be a lifelong learner. But do I devour the wisdom of men? I'd rather devour the Word of God. Yes. Amen. I have lots of books, but I'd rather read the book because it's the source. And yes, I may read others to help me understand it better, but I find that just in the same way that we do here, we take the Word of God and we interpret the Word of God with the Word of God. Amen? Amen? This verse laid upon this verse, precept upon precept, word upon word, uh, here a little, there a little, and, and, and it, it folds back into itself, and it, it makes more sense when it's explained by itself in context. So we can have wisdom of the world. And I've told you before, I had, when I went to seminary in Dayton, I had some people that had three doctorates, <coughs> three PhDs, but they didn't know Jesus as Savior. And they were teaching how to be a minister. And uh, clueless about it. Do, uh, huh? And, and, and proud of it, yes. Very proud of it. I, I believe in studying. I believe in, in education. But knowledge, for knowledge's sake, is trivial. Mm -hmm. 
Didn't the Apostle Paul say he knew only me in part? That other words. He was learned. We know in part. Yeah. Learned there were thirty seconds. Something new. Yeah. In other words. The. I love Jeopardy. I love to watch Jeopardy. <laughs> I'm always competing with the people. I don't know half of what they know, but I'm competing anyway. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'm a, a squirrel finding an acorn. I'll find a nut someplace. But uh, all that knowledge, all of that, it's trivia. And they, some of them brag about, well, I go to this bar and we have trivia competitions every week. And who's the better for that? Knowledge, for knowledge's sake, is just trivia. And I think the game that they came out with is apt, trivial precision. But knowledge, for the purpose of knowing God better, and knowing His ways, that's righteous. That's righteous. And that is productive. That I may know Him and the and the his sufferings and the power of his resurrection and all of these things being made conformable unto his death. It's a higher level of knowledge. It's a knowledge and wisdom that makes us know God. I was thinking of a chorus the other day. I don't know, it was popular back in the uh, 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Lord, I want to know you more than I ever have before. You're so easy to adore. Lord, I want to know you more. Lord, I want to love you more than I ever have before. You're so easy to adore. Lord, I want to love you more. Uh, and then they had, I want to serve you more. Uh, to know Him. And the more we know of Him personally, it changes our view of life and eternity. Uh, Colossians 4, 2-6. through six. Continue earnestly in prayer, being diligent in it with thanksgiving, meaning, meanwhile praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer each other. Walking in wisdom. Uh, walking with that internal guidance system at work because you know God. What would Jesus do? It used to be an adage. You know, what would Jesus do? WWJD. Mm How -hmm. I many of you have a WWJD bracelet or mm -hmm. necklace or something? What would Jesus do? And to look at it, that uh, we would follow in His steps and do things the way Jesus would do them. This is that wisdom, that spirit of wisdom of knowledge of Him. Uh, whoops. 
James 3, 3 through 18. 
He was the only one in the church that had a color TV at the time. So we were over there, glued to the set. And they pulled off. Now before they pull off the cover, you could see just forms of it, right? Mm -hmm. Just, you know, whatever car it was, DeSoto's, Plymouth's, Dodge, Oldsmobile, and, and mm -hmm. all of the Chevys and Fords, and Cadillac. Buick. Buick, yes. All, all the different Kaiser Fraser. Well, it's a, <laughs> some Henry K. Studebaker. Edsel. Edsel. Oh, yes. Oh, I love the Edsel. Nice. But, but that says a lot about me. But I, I, I always thought the Edsel looked cool, but that's just me. You could make out certain things about what was underneath there, but not the full scope until it was unveiled. And we can get a glimpse of some of the aspects of who God is and what his purposes and plans. But Paul is saying he's praying for the Ephesian believers to have the veil yes. taken away. Amen. And we don't just get hints, we get a full blown look, a revelation of the knowledge of God. He wants it to be unveiled for us. Yes. He's praying that why is it so important for Paul that the Ephesian believers have a revelation, an unveiling of the wisdom and the goodness of God? Well, he tells us. I thought you might like to know. He tells us. He tells us what he wants to have happen. He says, so that, verse 18, of Ephesians 1. So that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. He wants your eyes to be open. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened to turn the light on. And we've talked about this many times. How many of you, like me, you're finding you need more light to see than you used to need to yes. see? Yeah, I, 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 I turn on my... I've got to get a new app on my phone. My flashlight is just not bright enough anymore. I've got to find a brighter app. And... Uh, Turn it on and just not cutting it anymore. The uh, you should have seen me yesterday. We were having phone trouble here at the church. It wouldn't work. <laughs> the church phones would not work. Uh, someone would call and it would just, but you couldn't answer it when you hung up. And uh, so we tried calling it on our phones. And then, then it finally got to the place that says, this is not a working number. Oh, really? <laughs> and we tried, I called the company and, and they said, well, try this, unplug that, do this, wait five seconds, do that. <laughs> I did all that. And so, this line's not working. And so they said, did you have any lightning storms around there recently? It sounds like you're Phone got fried. So, so I went over to Walmart 
And uh, first of all, I had to unplug the old unit. And if you ever want an experience, uh, go behind the desk, in the secretary's desk in the office, where all the wires in the kingdom of God come into. <laughs> and old wires, new wires, wires from previous this, that, and the other, internet connections, uh, hooking up, the all that. It's just a hodgepodge of wire. And I'm fishing through there, and I turn on my flashlight. And I'm, I get down on my hands and knees, which is always an adventure anyway. And I move the trace down. I'm crawling back in this little spot with all this wire and everything. And I get my flashlight turned on. And I reach out to grab the wire for the connection. And my flashlight goes off. <laughs> so I have to let go of that and then fiddle around and it's on. <laughs> I've told everybody in the audience that you'd have this wisdom and knowledge of God revelation so that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you can see what's your hope of his calling he's called you to be saints what's the hope in that because one day we shall reign yes, with him. Your hope is not prosperity. Your hope is not fame. It's not fortune. It's not accolades, earthly accolades. I've got a hope of my calling. I'm called to be a saint. And one day, yes. he's going to call me home. Either through the grave or through the clouds. But I'm going home to my Jesus and my blessed hope is the fact that I'm going to reign with Christ forever and ever and ever and ever and tack a few more thousand evers on there for all eternity and there's no sickness, death, anything else that's going to plague or hurt me anymore. I've got a hope that is steadfast and sure. Amen. I possess the working of His mighty power, which He worked the power of the resurrection is still powerful today. Yes. Power of the resurrected Christ to make happen for us. Here is many facets about getting to know God better so we can move in power not with earthly wisdom but with divine insight Amen. and direction. That's what James Thank you, dear Lord, for those feelings. There's a rock that we can stand on yes, in this Lord. time of evil, Lord. Mm -hmm. we'll knowing every one of them, Lord Jesus, that that's wisdom, Lord, that open up our, our eyes, our spiritual yes, eyes, Lord. that we can see the wonders and the wonders of this. I'm your truth. For surely you are truth, Lord. God, you're not here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for answering prayer, Lord. And we give you all the praise. All the praise. And that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful.
all just begin to pray out loud? Yes. You don't have to listen to anybody else's. God can hear it all as we give praise. We're living in those days of Elijah. Surrounded by evil, and yet God's still on the throne. And He's coming for us, church. He's, we have a hope that is steadfast and sure. Since the end of our lives. God, you want to open the eyes of our understanding to enlighten us. To take the veil off that we see your glorious ways. Your righteous paths. That we would know you more and we would know you better. That we can serve you fullness.
do praise you. We're thankful that yes. you want to lift our eyes and give us fresh understanding of wisdom of the knowledge of you. That you'd rip the veil off and let us have a clearer view of who God is and what your purpose and plans are. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened so that we can know the hope of our calling. We can know the, the inheritance that we have as saints and the power that's available to us who believe. We're thankful for resurrection power. Help us to live in the strength of it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God.
Yeah. Oh, All you can do is try to, you know, like like what we had to do here. The, the restrooms. Somebody had uh, scraped in profanity into the dividers. In the right, right, right here in church. Yeah. And so she had to sand them down and and treat them and everything. Uh, that's all you can do. You, you you get rid of it, and then you paint over it, and and go on. Just protect yourself from it. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah. Unbelievable. Thank you for hearing me. Yep. 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 Well, I better shut that off. Huh? <laughs>